Thanks, Amy. And I was very, I was told there was a gap. And you know that uh, expression, mind the gap? Well, it certainly applies this morning because there's a gap after the top of the stairs. Uh, as it says in the front of your newsletter for today, we've been going through a series on living in the kingdom. And if you turn over the page, you'll see that we are now looking at the fruit of the kingdom. What should mark us as Christians, as members of God's kingdom? And today we're going to start with contentment. Next week, uh, John will be talking about forgiveness. Again, something that should mark us as those who belong to God's kingdom. The next one after that is radical generosity and the one after that is humility. But before we talk about contentment, let us just read this passage from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then from verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. As I said, we've been looking at this series called Living in the Kingdom. And one thing that John has been at pains to point out to us is that living in God's kingdom is almost diametrically opposed to the life of the kingdoms of this world. What characterises the kingdom of the world is almost, as I say, diametrically opposite to what should characterise us as those who belong to God's kingdom. And that is certainly no more true when we think about contentment. Contentment is not something that marks this world. 
And I'm going to start my message by asking a question. What's the difference between a billionaire and someone who has 12 children? Anyone? What's the difference between a billionaire and someone who has 12 children? One word. The billionaire wants more. And if there was one word that epitomizes this, the, the, the kingdoms of this world, if there's one word that characterizes the kingdoms of this world, it is the word more. Some of you might see an ad on TV for the NBN and it says made for more. And I'm reading a book at the moment. It's called When More Is Not Enough. It's by an American psychiatrist and a lot of what he has to say applies to America. But I think some of what he has to say perhaps should also, was also true of Australia. Now, I'm not sure whether any of you read something in the news recently, but when it comes to the ratio between household debt and disposable income, Australia is the fifth highest in the world. Norway is the highest, then Denmark, then Switzerland, then the Netherlands, and then Australia. Now, a lot of that, of course, is due to the fact that in Australia, house prices are so high that people have to borrow enormous amounts in order to buy a house. But regardless of the reason for it, the world in which we live, or the Australia in which we live, to make it more specific, the word more, I think, epitomises the culture in which we live. But that's not to be true of us as members of God's kingdom. So I want to start by saying, when we talk about contentment, I want to say what it is not. First of all, contentment is not automatic. It must be learned. And I want to read this particular passage. It says in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, it says... I'm not saying this because I'm in need. This is the Apostle Paul. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So the first thing is it's not automatic. It must be learned. Now, as we're growing up, we probably think, well, when I finish school, I'll get a job. When I get a job, uh, sooner or later, I'll find the right person to marry. I'll get married. I'll have children. I'll have a comfortable job. I'll get a house and then I'll be content. But you know, it doesn't just happen that way. Contentment is something 
that has to be learned, as the Apostle Paul says. For I have learned to be content, he says. Secondly, contentment is not dependent on circumstances. You see where he says there, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. At the beginning of that verse, it said, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So secondly, contentment is to be independent, is not dependent on our circumstances. And thirdly, what it is not, it's not dependent on if only. We sometimes say, if only I had more money, then I would be content. Or I might say, if only my husband was more romantic, then I would be content. Or I might say, if only my wife was, but I'm not going to go there. So, oh, she heard that. (laughs) So what is contentment? I was talking to Jan Bell before we started our service this morning and she must have mentioned to her grandson about the fact that we were talking about contentment this morning and he said, contentment is when you open the card before you open the present. And I thought, well, yeah, that's a good definition of contentment. But I searched the internet to find a symbol which really does how can I put it, epitomise contentment. And it's this one. And it's green for a very good reason, apart from the fact that most frogs are green. It's green, of course, because green is the colour of envy. And, of course, envy is the opposite of contentment. But let me read out what it says. Uh, Jomo, you've heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out? Well, Jomo is sort of like the opposite of FOMO. Jomo says this, a feeling of contentment in one's own pursuit and activities without worrying about missing out on what others might be doing. And it stands for the joy of missing out. Jomo, the joy of missing out. I want us to remember that symbol. The joy of missing out. In other words, you're not comparing yourself to anyone because comparison, of course, means you're not content. Joma, just remember that. But rather than me come up with a definition of contentment, I'm going to use two quotes from two different people. The first one is by this person called Jeremiah Burroughs. And he says this, A Christian comes to contentment not so much by way of addition as by way of subtraction. Contentment does not come by adding to what you have, but by subtracting from what you desire. The world says that you find contentment when your possessions rise to meet the level of your desires. Christians have another way to contentment, by bringing our desires down to our possessions. And a second quote by someone who is well known, John Stott. 
He says, contentment is the secret of inward peace. It remembers the stark truth that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Life, in fact, is a pilgrimage from one moment of nakedness to another. So we should travel light and live simply. Our enemy is not possessions, but excess. Our battle cry is not nothing, but enough. We've got enough. Simplicity says if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. And I want to look at a verse that is well known in Timothy, where we read, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. The Apostle Paul is saying that contentment goes alongside godliness and it's great gain he compares that if you look at the previous few verses he compares that to physical exercise which he says profits a little the trouble with physical exercise even if it does profit a little when you die of course the gain whatever gain you had is lost but godliness with contentment doesn't just stop when you die the gain goes on, carries on. And that's why it's called great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. But the other thing about contentment is it is only truly possible through Jesus Christ. In that passage I read from Philippians 4 verses 11 to 13, he said this at the end, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So true contentment can only come through Jesus Christ, through our relationship with him. And we're going to sing a song at the end of this message called Christ is Enough. Now I said I was reading a book recently called When More Is Not Enough we can say as Christians that Christ is enough. And we'll sing it from the bottom of our hearts when we get a chance to sing it later on. So, we've looked at what it is not. We looked at what we think contentment is all about. Now I want to do the $64,000 question. How is it learned? If you like, what is the secret of contentment? Because the Apostle Paul says, it's a secret. He says, I know what it is like to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content. Well, the thing about a secret is, it's not easily found. And learning to be content is not easily found. Now, we learn a lot of things in life. Most things we learn by experience. But I think the secret of contentment is learned through God's grace. The Holy Spirit helps us to learn the secret of contentment. And the first thing is, if you like, the first step is to say, with God's grace, I am going to learn to be content. 
And I'm going to use five things, five steps if you like. I could have chosen a whole lot more, but five's easy because I've got five fingers. I'm going to use five steps, if you like, to learning the secret of contentment. The first one I'm going to use is my thumb because it holds all the other others together. And it's this one. Let me read it to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Not an easy verse to practice. We had a prayer meeting on Monday this last week. We have it every week, actually. 12 o'clock in the library. And we have Bev Lang, who gives us a little devotion at the beginning of the message, beginning of the prayer meeting. And she read this particular verse. Now, I'm sure she was aware of the fact that someone sitting in that room, meaning me and my wife, Chrissy, were quite anxious at the time. The previous Friday, she had had a biopsy and, we were, and the, the surgeon had said, there's a lump there somewhere, I'm not sure what it is, but we'll do a biopsy. And we were not to get the results until Thursday. The Thursday just passed. And maybe Bev was thinking of us when she read that verse and we were certainly anxious about the results. I can let you know now that the result was clear. And we praise God for that. But anxiety or worry, if you like, is something we need to learn to not worry or not be anxious. So we start off by saying, this is my thumb. We start off by saying, with God's grace, I'm going to learn not to worry or not to be anxious. The second one, what do we call this finger? I think we call it the pointer finger, don't we? With God's grace, I'm going to learn to live one day at a time. Hence, I've got my finger up. That's when we normally say once, we normally use this finger to represent one. And that came at the end of the passage that we read right at the beginning, at the end of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 34. It says, do not worry about tomorrow. In fact, most, most worry, most anxiety is about something that we think may happen in the future. But that verse says, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's got enough of its own problems. How true is that? So we're going to learn, with God's grace, we're going to learn to live one day at a time. Now, some of you, like me, will remember that old song. What, how did it go? Um, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, is all I'm asking of you. So give me, what's it, how's it go? Um, so help me today, show me the way, one day at a time. So firstly, with God's grace, we're going to learn not to worry. Secondly, 
we're going to learn with God's grace to live one day at a time. And thirdly, we're going to learn we're going to learn to take control of our thoughts. With God's grace, we're going to learn to take control of our thoughts. And I'm reading this verse from Philippians chapter uh, 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So with God's grace, we're going to learn to take control of our thoughts. And I have another quote by this gentleman, who you know, Charles Swindoll. And he says this, the longer I live, the more I realise the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, the education, the money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we'll embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. So with God's grace, that's the tall one. We've looked at worry. We've looked at taking one day at a time. And now we have the tall finger. I think that's all it's called. We have this particular one. With God's grace, I'm going to take control of my attitude. And of course, that's much the same thing as saying, with God's grace, I will take control of my thoughts. And then this one. I think this one is called the ring finger. Well, it is on my hand, my left hand. It's called the ring finger when you're telling the children. And the ring, I guess, is meant to... Well, it's meant to do a lot of things, but it's meant to remind us that we, we're married. This one here is meant to remind us that we're married. But maybe also the ring, if I put one on my right hand over here, if I had one on here, perhaps that could be a reminder to let go of the past. So I'm going to say to myself... And every time I see this ring on this finger, well, I don't have one, but I think I might go home and put one on there. I, every time I see that, I'm going to say to myself, with God's grace, I'm going to remember to let go of the past. Forgetting the things behind, the Apostle Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. So with God's grace, every time I see that ring on this finger, I'm going to say to myself, with God's grace, I am going to let go of the past. 
Now, we had Graham Can speak to us yesterday morning here to the men's breakfast, and he was talking about this, about letting go of those really sad memories. In fact, I think he said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he said, you should turn them into milestones, I think he said. So letting go of the past. And again, that's related to the, the third one I talked about, taking control of your thoughts. Because the past often comes back unbid. Sometimes a memory just comes back and you think it just weighs you down and you have to say, with God's grace, that's what this ring is going to remind me, with God's grace, I'm going to let go of the past. And then the little finger. Uh, I think when you're talking to children, you call it your pinky, don't you? You call it your pinky. And it might seem as though it's not all that important. But, you know, I think we need to remember, with God's grace, I'm going to give thanks every day. Someone once said, Three, you should at least give thanks in your circumstances. That's what he says here. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Not necessarily give thanks for your circumstances, but give thanks in your circumstances. No matter what they are, find something to give thanks to God for. Now, my children, when they lived at home, I think it was my eldest daughter, had what was called a thankfulness, thankfulness journal. And every day you had to write down three things that you were thankful for. And I think it's a good habit to get into. To say to yourself, it may seem like it's not important, it's only a little pinky, but with God's grace, I'm going to remember to give thanks for at least three things every day. So we have, with God's grace, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to be anxious. And in fact, I'm reminded of something that's attributed to John Wesley. He said, he would rather blaspheme than worry. Pretty tough statement, but he's a man who travelled all over England on horseback, never worried about his health. He says, I'd rather blaspheme than worry. So with God's grace, I'm not going to worry. With God's grace, number one, I'm going to live one day at a time. With God's grace, I'm going to take control of my attitude. This is the tall one. God's grace, I'm going to take control of my thought patterns. With God's grace, I'm going to remember to let go of the past and the pinky. With God's grace, I'm going to give thanks every day, at least for at least three things if that's the secret of contentment well there's probably a whole lot of other things I've only chosen five because I've only got five fingers you might be able to remember another five so you've got ten and then you might use your feet as well and end up with twenty whatever let me tell you that God wants to teach us the secret of being content let us pray Loving God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you 
that you only want and you know what is best for us. And you know that being content is something that should characterise us as people who live in your kingdom. We just pray that your Holy Spirit may not only just remind us of these things, but give us the, the grace and the strength to do what we've been talking about today. We thank you that you're always ready to teach us if we're teachable. Make us more teachable, we pray, because we ask in Jesus' name. And all the people said... Thanks, Ian.